0: Welcome to Near and Queer to My Heart. I'm your host Amanda G, always excited to be here. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to us, I'll just give you a rundown of what we do. Uh, each episode we interview a queer performer and then after the interview we play a clip of one of their uh, pieces of art. So whether it's stand up or storytelling or music, you'll hear, you know, a clip of what they do. So first you get to know them and who they are personally then afterwards you're going to get a taste of whatever their art is and we're always excited to do that Um, it's just a really cool opportunity for you to get to know performers uh, queer performers a little better to get to know who they are and what makes them and I'm always excited because I love I learn something new every time I love hanging out with people I love shooting the shit I love grilling them about how they do their comedy or their art so that you know maybe I can get some inspiration from that Uh, so this episode we're going to have Byron Broussard who is a local New Orleans stand-up He's a storyteller He has a podcast, a web series He produces music, he does everything Like He's a true artist And it was so amazing to talk to him um, Before we get to that did have we have a twitter now i'm trying to be more active on the social media uh we have a twitter it's uh, at queer to my heart our instagram and facebook are at near and queer to my heart but of course twitter was like too many ladders bitch so uh we're just queer to my heart and i did a survey on there so i said Wait, what do you want me to tell a story about uh vanessa carlton michelle branch third eye blind mariah carey and hands down vanessa carlton won I guess people are tired of all my Mariah stories, but I have a lot of them. So if you are not tired of them, I'll give you more. Um, and you can also tell them 35 because all of those came out, uh, you know, in the early 2000s were huge. Mariah was a little before that. but um, And Vanessa Carlton actually dated the lead singer from Third Eye Blind for a while. Um, but the story doesn't have anything to do with him. No, I just... Uh, I have a couple of stories with Vanessa Carlton. I think that the main one, and this actually ties in Michelle Branch too, because at the time they were uh, so important in my life. I went home from college for winter break or spring break or summer break, I don't know, summer break, and I'm going to be driving back up. I don't have a car at the time because I'm a broke college kid, and my mom has this uh, boyfriend who's now her husband who she wants me to get to know. So she decides that we're going to ride up. Uh, the five hours from uh, where my home is to where my school is and he's gonna drive and she'll be there and we'll all get to know each other and it's gonna be great and I didn't want to do it, but I'm like, okay, you are grown up now. Because, you know, I was like 20, so clearly very grown up and very mature. Um, So I was like, all right, well, I do need a ride. I can't afford anything else. Um, And I think he was also helping me move a dresser that I needed to to get up there because I was broke and had no furniture. Um, So, you know, we we go on the trip, but uh, as this mature adult that I've become, I, right before the trip, bought two CDs um, and I had my Disc Man and I bought extra batteries and I was like all right we're going to do this trip and I'm going to assign myself a task to decide which album is better Vanessa Carlton Be Not Nobody or Michelle Branch The Spirit Room so on this whole 5 hour trip all I did was listen to one CD and then the next CD and then one CD and then the next CD and I loved both of them so much and at that time every lyric meant everything in the world to me and honestly it still does I still listen to both of them all the time um and I think they're great and at the end, I couldn't decide. I gave it a tie, and I just still listen to them forever. Much respect, though, to Vanessa Carlton. I think a lot of people, it's hard when people call you, you know, oh, you're a one-hit-wonder, you got 1,000 miles, and then what'd you do? And it's like, look, she's done so much stuff. She's done so many amazing things. But she did um, Be Not Nobody is her first album. It went platinum. I think it was three Grammy nominations. She's on top of the world. But That album was made with a producer from a fancy record label, and it wasn't made the way she wanted to make it. So what does Vanessa Carlton do? Second album, she makes it the way she wants to make it. Uh, She has to fight with the record label the whole time, but she does it anyway. So what does the record label do? They say, fuck you. So they put out the album. Um, They made one video for the song White Houses, which um, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen the video or heard the song amazing but in the in the song it references something about virginity which oh god can we not talk about that so mtv and a few places had issues with it even though now they look back at that and, and kind of scoff um but anyway the record label only did the one video they wouldn't do any other promo they really didn't didn't stand behind their own album which is weird because it cost them money to do that and you'd think money would speak to them but she didn't care she went out on her own got another record label put out an album her own way uh she she toured with stevie Nicks, who she calls her fairy godmother and how awesome is that to know stevie Nicks in real life and have her be your fairy godmother and stevie Nicks has helped her you know get music made has been Um, featured in her songs has helped co-write songs like how she she officiated Vanessa Carlton's wedding and that's amazing and so it's just like don't give up fuck these record labels and anybody that tells you you can't do shit do it and do it the way you want to do it and sooner or later Stevie Nicks is going to come around and support you and that's fucking cool In 2010 Vanessa Carlton came out as bisexual which is also cool so if you are listening and ever want to be on this podcast you fit with what we're trying to do and I think though if you want to do an interview um, you can maybe provide more information or correct we can have a corrections corner for everything I just said Uh, that is probably things I, I read on the internet but I hope it's all true i do anyway i love vanessa carlton i love i follow her on twitter and instagram still and i think she's amazing and the last time i actually saw her she was in baton rouge and that's 70 miles away and i drove to see her and i don't care who knows it so yeah that's my vanessa carlton story we'll probably do another we'll do another poll in the future uh for more stories and i'll try to come up with some good stuff and i like to have things a little inspirational though you know because like who who wants to hear a story that's not inspirational Speaking of inspirational, we're gonna to get to the interview. So excited to have this guy! Please welcome Byron Broussard. So hey, Byron,
1: how you Coming, doing? Doing all right. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Byron brought a uh, Bud Light Platinum.
1: Yep. I what did. does a
0: platinum mean?
1: I do not know exactly what it means, <laughs> but I know that it has like a, a higher alcohol thing.
0: Okay, because it kind of looks like a Zima bottle, like, <laughs> refurbished.
1: It's like a Bud Light on steroids. Nice, nice. Somehow yeah. they fit more alcohol into it.
0: <laughs> it. Tastes less like water. Yep, yep. Cool, well, we're happy to have you here. Like I said, I just, you know, I want to learn more about your life. Dude. I don't know... Where are you from?
1: From Marrero, which is the West Bank.
0: Now, if somebody isn't from New Orleans or has never been to New Orleans because we actually do have some people like family members of mine maybe that that (laughs) listen to this that have not either haven't been to New Orleans or have just been you know as tourists so how would you describe the West Bank
1: yeah best way I could describe the West Bank is like the country of the city or the rural area of New Orleans it's like still New Orleans but it's like a bunch of trees it's a lot more trees more shopping malls No buildings past three or four stories, you know.
0: Now, I know just from living here, a lot of people, if they're from the West Bank, they are West Bank all the way. So (laughs) New Orleans, um, the French Quarter and all the touristy places are on what we we would call the East Bank of New Orleans. So you have to cross the Crescent City Bridge to get to the West Bank. And a lot of East Bank people are like... Hell no, I don't go over to the West Bank. And a lot of West Bank people are like, why would I go to the East Bank? Are you are you one of those? <laughs> no. I, you don't give a shit.
1: <laughs> no, I don't pick sides with most things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not a sports players? Nope. Nope. And you did music? Yep. Yeah, that's how I, I feel like a lot. I don't know, like my brother's a music dude, and I'm like the sports dude, I guess. Like I played softball and soccer, and um, was always doing something outdoor. I did track and field. I did tennis. I went. I was just. Nice. I was like, oh, this <laughs> sounds is fun. awesome. Tennis is fun. It's hard as an adult to play in New Orleans. It's hard to find a good court that's free that has a net, <laughs> right. um, and then it's hard to find someone who wants to play, has a tennis racket, and is actually similar in skill set because i played i have a friend that was like almost professional and she's like i'll play you and i was like no (laughs)
1: Like that wouldn't be fun
0: no you would just i would just stand there being sweaty and upset that i wasn't (laughs) doing anything but how how, uh, old were you when you got into music
1: i'd say i've always been into it
0: what was your first i don't know how old you are Are you a tape tape would be your first or with a cd
1: yeah i had tapes in 27
0: what was your first
1: tape First one I remember loving is VeggieTales. <laughs> I fucking loved VeggieTales. And it was like only the Larry songs of the pickle dude or <laughs> cucumber or whatever he was. That was it that sold you. Yep, yep. It was a bunch of hilarious songs and stuff. It was great.
0: Yeah, my first uh, tape was uh, Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation. This I still have it. I was actually the, Byron and I are in this like the same one. Yeah, I keep. Nice. Oh my god, I'll show you. Um, <laughs> I, I had to hide it, but we're in a little side room that I that I we have called the rec. We call it the record room because it has a record player, but it also has like all of my junk and I have like four boxes of CDs that I'm probably never going to touch, but I refuse to get rid of.
1: That's pretty cool. I have a few CDs. It's not like I've seen uh, collections that are like way bigger than mine, and like. I don't know, but I, I have a few CDs. They're uh, maybe at the most ten years old.
0: How was that? How's high school for you? Uh,
1: it's fine, I guess. I don't I don't actually uh, know how to comment on my own life. It's like <laughs> high school was. Uh, it was school pretty much. Like in school, I like never did homework, and I lived to hang out type shit and. So I didn't really take school seriously, but it was fun to be there.
0: Were your parents strict about grades and reviews nah. and shit?
1: No, nah, I had set the bar low. <laughs> I was, uh, I went to summer school for like six years in a row. It's like my my record.
0: So they were like, just graduate and you're yep. fine.
1: <laughs> graduate, uh, hopefully get into college somehow.
0: Yeah, you graduated. And then yep. What'd you do?
1: I went to college and uh, dropped out
0: where did you go to college? You will. So you did leave a little bit. So Lafayette, what's the Cajun country?
1: Yep, that's what they called it. It's a pretty cool spot. I have a lot of family out there. So it was like a spot that I had always thought I would go to. Like I always, always planned on going to college in Lafayette. Were you
0: doing comedy or performing at all?
1: Nope, I was doing music though. Uh started uh, doing music under a name called Lord Byron. It's like a bunch of different styles and stuff. I have a, quite a few mixtapes and albums and stuff. It's It was just like a hobby, but I kind of figured it would be something amazing.
0: What got you into that?
1: I always liked music, like I said before, but then I uh, had a friend, a roommate, who was doing uh, rap. Pretty sure he started... Like while we knew each other, so like seeing him start his career and stuff was like pretty inspiring. And
0: then you said you dropped out of school. It, it, what what led to that? Or what was failing,
1: <laughs> I failed too much. I got to a point where it's like I don't feel like doing school anymore, and uh, coasting through college wasn't wasn't seeming like a good idea. So I just kind of stopped going.
0: Okay, I mean, there's a lot of uh, careers or jobs or just passions people have that college isn't going to be the way to get there and some of us went to school and just racked up a bunch of debt though yeah. <laughs> You might have, dodged have that too <laughs> oh, I was like you might have dodged a bullet. you're like no they'll get you <laughs> so how old were you?
1: 18, 19 ish
0: and then what was the next move? Uh,
1: staying in Lafayette for two more years and then coming home and living with my parents and then it's been like five or six years since then
0: so you're still with your parents what's that yeah. what's that like they're cool
1: they are cool yeah, yeah. i mean it's, uh, it's it's great living rent free
0: yeah <laughs> it's,
1: it's like a very big perk <laughs> and the house is really nice so it's uh, it's pretty great
0: there's no... Like, I feel like if I moved back home, mom would be like, great, it's like she's, like, 16 again, and I can give her a curfew, and I can send her on errands, and be like, if you want to use the car, and I'd be like, mom, I have my own car, and she'd be like, not under my roof. I feel like it'd be a lot of that.
1: I went through that, like, the first year or two, but then it, uh, it slacked off, and like, it's just progressed into something great. Cool. Yep, I'm enjoying my time. That's awesome. What do you do for work? Right now, I lift drive which is not very, like, cost-effective, I guess with the word. <laughs> it doesn't pay a lot, but uh, I do lift driving. How do you like it? I don't. <laughs> do not like it.
0: I don't, I don't lift drive. I, I do Uber Eats, which is just the food, and I feel like that's okay because it's not me personally. It's just food in a car, and people are happy to get food, but I feel like right. having passengers you're going to have a mix of people and they're going to be having a shitty day or the best day ever or they're in a hurry or they can have all day and whatever it is, it's going to be somehow your responsibility and your fault. Yeah. And I feel like I'm like, I don't want that. But also, you could meet cool people. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but I don't really talk to people while Lyft driving. Like, I'll pick them up and introduce myself and be like, hello. And then, like, that'll be it throughout the whole drive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What if they're, like, does anyone try to keep talking to you?
1: Some people. And if so, I'll, I'll say something. or. I mean, <laughs>
0: you won't make it real awkward for them? You play clips of stand-up of yourself?
1: <laughs> that would be great.
0: You're like, well, it's real quiet and I don't answer your questions. <laughs> listen to this guy.
1: Oh, that would be great. I never... I feel like it would be too rude to play any type of talking during a lift thing. Like I put music on, but I would love to listen to podcasts and audio books. I feel like... People would be weirded out.
0: Yeah, I know. They're like, what's this? You're like, it's chapter 12. It's too late for you. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. Like, when I get in a Lyft or a Uber, I don't want to talk. I get in the back seat and I have my. I get motion sickness, like, reading my phone or reading anything, but I still pull my phone out, like, I'm going to read something because I don't want to. I just don't right. want to have that interaction. But I know a lot of people, like, my girlfriend just gets in the front seat, and she's like, how's your day? <laughs> and I'm like, front seat? Like, I don't understand what this is
1: there have been quite a few people who got into the front seat. But it's it's pretty much the same drive for me. I don't really talk to people too much.
0: <laughs> well, I was like, because I was like, I know you're kind of like a quiet guy. That's why I'm like, I don't, like, I've known you for years, but I think we just talk like, because me too, I like to talk shop when it comes to comedy. Like, I love that. And I feel like yeah. you're into that too. So I feel like when we talk, we're just like, we talk shop, you know. But then I was like, oh, maybe like if he's in doing lift, it's going to like open him up to... <laughs> All these different people that you would never meet, but you know. Nope. <laughs> you like shut it down. <laughs> well, what got you, you started in comedy? Uh,
1: I was looking for open mics. I wanted to do music still at that point in my life, and uh, there weren't any or very many like open mics for music, especially like produced music. Like they have open mics for guitar players who could do acoustic sets and stuff, but like not for rappers, and. Uh, I saw all the comedy open mics, and I was like, it's a stage. So I uh, went to the stage. I was drawn to the stage.
0: Do you remember your first set?
1: Uh, I'd actually started doing comedy before then. No. Oh. like, that was, like, <laughs> it was a one-time deal, and uh, it was, like, a year or two before that in Lafayette, and at that time I had, like, two jokes written. I did one joke and then, like, left stage.
0: Do yeah. so you remember those two jokes? I do. Or do you want to not remember it? I do, and I still do. Painful
1: memories? (laughs) No, I still do those jokes. The first two jokes I wrote were pretty great.
0: (laughs) How do you feel, like, after the first set? Were you hooked after your first set, or were you like, fuck this?
1: No, in Lafayette I did it before I had even thought about doing stand-up, and, like, it was something that was, like, a good event. Like, it was fun to be the butt of a joke, because, like, I did, like, one joke and a half, and, like, everybody laughed at me leaving, and because I had made, like, a stammer thing where I was on stage, like, ah, do I read from my phone or do I not read from my phone? or I was like, nah, never mind, I'm just going to leave. Like, people mm-hmm. laughed at that. But, like, it didn't give me any, like, need to do stand-up a bunch. But when I moved back to New Orleans and I realized, like, there was stand-up every night, uh, that was more, like, the addiction part of it and, like, the community and shit. Do you perform music? Uh, not often. I've done it maybe three or four times.
0: And how how does that compare?
1: It, well, now that I've done stand-up so much, it's more funny when I do music. Like, I'll do my weird introductions to bits that I do where I talk to people, like, in the crowd and ask them questions that don't need answers. And, like, I'll do that part before doing a song. So it, it ends up being, like, more of a, a funny experience than like musical or like i'm showing off musically
0: Cool. what do you see like for your future like do you do you see yourself like kevin hart selling out fucking you know no. smoothie king center <laughs> or do you see yourself writing or directing or do you see yourself
1: i feel weird about foretelling the future I've, i'm not a fan of being psychic time travel is totally cool but like being a psychic is weird
0: <laughs> well, it's not a psych like it's not what's gonna happen it's just like what you would Project. like, yeah what, like what your goals are i guess without yeah. me sounding like i'm interviewing you for a job <laughs> where do you see yourself in five you know i'm trying trying not to do that but you know what no, like, i just what do you a, want what do you want for your creative endeavors
1: i have a weird thing where like uh, i have like weird values placed on different things and like i don't really make goals all that often except for like one time I did make a goal and like I met the goal and afterwards I, I did like two mixtapes and two albums and like three seasons of a web series in like 2 years. But like after I did that like it didn't mean very much to me but like or very much to other people. And I feel like when I'm finished my work, I guess we'll say <laughs> That I will be, like, a prolific person and stuff for spiritual knowledge and, like, uh, pioneering some shit. I'm not sure exactly what shit I will pioneer yet. Because uh, mostly, like, scoping out the world and seeing where humanity's at. and so like don't and- do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've, to already, yourself. <laughs> I've already done that. And, like, seen where we're at as a people. But, like, found the pinnacle people, saw what the pinnacle people are doing. Trying to find something that's like above the pinnacle is like really hard to find like a like a real direction or like a real aspiration to go towards something that kind of like isn't being done already or something like that. But I do know that the past already is accumulated into such a point where I'm already going to be important. So like what I'm doing is like a, a kind of kind of picking and choosing what I will be known for. So like if somebody asks me if I'll do television, I'll be like, no, because that's going to look bad on my record. So it's not really like a seeing the future and being like, I'm never going to be on television. It's more of like I'm in the now and I know that already my past is in such a place where doing television will Im- not impede, but like sort of block, block flow of the energy, block, block the flow of the energy.
0: Did you feel like the goals that you had set, the albums and the web series block that?
1: No, I feel like that was like a goal thing. And like, it's all also connected with a bunch of other stuff that I just kind of didn't mention because didn't want to get too weird.
0: Get weird, man. <laughs> what was your web series? I didn't know. I know you've done some mixtapes and um, yeah. I know you have a podcast, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. I didn't know you did a web series, though.
1: Yep, it was called The Other L.A. And it's, yeah, no, it's a weird type. This is L.A., not, <laughs> not L.A. the other L.A. <laughs>
0: I've seen a lot of those bumper stickers. Yeah,
1: they're everywhere. There's also now a band named The Other L.A. Oh, jeez. Like, when I made <laughs> the title, I was like, is it okay if my web series called this?
0: Did they care if you used, okay. Nah, they, they were, were good.
1: Cool. But uh, the web series is like pretty much uh, me and a camera. I record 20 minutes of real life. And it wasn't, like, scripted. It wasn't planned out. It was just, like, 20-minute blocks. And then after I have all the raw material, I edit shit. Then I put, like, music to it and stuff. The first season didn't have music. Second season is scored. And then the third season is scored. And there's a voiceover.
0: Oh, wow. You have mistakes.
1: Yeah, but, like, it's all... It gets more chaotic. Then uh, it sounds like more complex it would be better. But it just gets more complex and worse, which is like a cool staple of my material.
0: What we'll gave you the idea?
1: I wanted to do a web series.
0: Cause I, f- I feel like that's such a risque, but also could pay off so much to do yeah. real time, real life. Like, I always love movies that are in real time. Like, that amazes me. The show 24, <laughs> which is total bullshit, I'm 100% on board with because I just like that idea. Yeah, it's you know? cool. But that always happens while one character's driving. Um, the other characters doing something you know like they they work it out in such a way but I was like sometimes life does work out that way you know so I was like what gave you the idea to do real time instead of scripting or instead of you know just cutting pieces together
1: I think I I wanted to really try to do something like scripted but like improv but it just didn't work out that way and like uh, it was like a process of me giving up and then I realized that the the insight into myself would be more valuable than uh, just something I could come up with. And it turned into something that is like a little more valuable than like something that would be good or whatever.
0: Have you watched it since you've seen like a... Recording? I watch it a lot
1: actually. I'm oh. probably one of the only people that does.
0: <laughs> well, can other people still find it?
1: Yep, it's on YouTube. It's My, just under... uh, possibly Byron Broussard. If you search that, you'll find it. But uh, I think my YouTube name is Chubby Chase 2, which is <laughs> one of those things where, I like, your whatever name is like your nickname and the street you grew up on or whatever. So my nickname was actually Chubby and grew up on Bell Chase Highway. So it's like oh. Chase is C H A S S E, not like Chase.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a play on, like, Chevy
1: Chase. It ended up being, like, a pun, but it's it's not really. The weirdness I was going to mention was I did all of that in a time loop, quote-unquote. I usually quote-unquote it in real life. <laughs> I made a time loop, uh, <laughs> but uh, since I've destroyed said time loop, so it's, it's not something that's currently reoccurring, but it is something that I uh, stick with as a story.
0: What do you mean, a time loop?
1: a moment in time that's infinite or was infinite <laughs> or like made myself immortal uh for two years actually from 24 to 26. How does that work? Uh, with the power of the mind <laughs> the will uh like I, I explain time loops like rumination uh that's like a basic form of time manipulation where you keep remembering a memory Uh, Usually the memory will start to change, which you could think of as manipulating time and space or just manipulating yourself into insanity. But, you know, like some people take the good or the bad side of it, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. No, I definitely have a lot of memories that as time goes on, I don't remember the whole thing or I question pieces of it. Like, oh, was I really wearing a red sweater? I remember one, but, you know, so that's interesting how that plays out.
1: I used that time to, like, study uh, what I would call, like, dangerous information or the occult or whatever, and, like, spiritual knowledge and stuff and what happens after you die and all of that stuff. So, like, I made a two-year block where I was immortal, and I was going to do, what is it, like, three mixtapes, two albums, and two seasons of a web series. I think season one was already made by that point, honestly. So, like, two seasons of the web series and, like, I did all of that. And then, like, after being, after the time loop ended or whatever, I wrote a book about all of the compiled knowledge. And then I kind of figured, I kind of figured, like, I'd either be government assassinated or some shit. But, like, it just, it didn't end up that way. I somehow, like, dispersed all of that weird militant energy
0: what's the book called
1: uh the book's your dirty nigger soul on amazon it's like the the story of how all is self uh it's it's literally like all of the spiritual knowledge and stuff compiled into a narrative in second person so all of the like the pinnacle of spiritual knowledge is all is self and also the mind is all the universe is mental and also, the all is in all, and we are all in the all. So, like, those three statements together combine into, like, the story of how all is self. And it's a, it's a pretty cool, compelling story, and it's interesting.
0: I know you delve, like, a little bit on stage um, with these. Like, you have one joke where you talk about, and I won't, like, spoil all of your jokes for people <laughs> that want to you know, come out and, and hear your jokes, or, you know, find you on YouTube, but there's a joke where you talk about where you, like, play a clip of you doing stand-up, and then you're, like, listening to this clip of you, and then you record yourself listening to it, and yeah. it kind of uh, goes on that on that way. Um, is that something you really do, or? Is... Yes.
1: That is something I do on my podcast. Uh, you tweeted, you meaned it, and, like, uh... It's like a documentation of my life. But I started recording stand up on the podcast and that's led to something like this this cool phenomenon where I could use each stand up set to portray a message if I wanted to, or like or just talk to myself, which is fun. Like just during stand up sets I'll be able to talk to myself because I'm recording. So it was just cool to, to get into a different space with stand up. Do you heckle yourself or are you just like, oh, that was well thought? Sometimes I'll heckle. Sometimes I'll I'll say that was well thought or sometimes I'll just I'll be reminded of a certain thing that I'm trying to remind myself of. So it's like a cool thing I might be taken back to the moment. Like I had a cool bit where I was writing jokes down, which like totally like (laughs) opens it up on like another perspective because I'm writing a script. So like I wrote a script and like is like one joke where it like takes me to the moment of saying the words that are on the script. So it's like a <laughs> I get to live in all of those moments like I guess simultaneously not sequentially but like whenever I say those words it's like always like a mark in the a mark in time of that moment and that was cool to catch and cool to catch on record and stuff. It's just like uh, being able to record a bunch of stuff.
0: No, I, and I think it's it's interesting the way, you know, you kind of not only just study yourself, like, in your stand-up, but you kind of take that art to make more art. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that's really cool. And is that something that audiences respond well to, or do people talk shit to you afterwards, or...? I
1: don't know. Weirdly, mm-hmm. they respond well. Because uh... I've seen you kill <laughs> with that
0: stuff. That's why I'm like, I just... I always wonder, because people come up to me after my sets and say really weird shit and (laughs) sometimes really fucking cool stuff, sometimes really inspiring things. Yeah. Um, so I always wonder, like, I don't know if you want to share any stories about audience members that have said either inspiring or cool or weird shit to you.
1: Uh, one time (laughs) I have a bit that I don't really do that often about, like, a guy who came up to me after a show. He was kind of trying to show off his, like, knowledge and stuff. he was talking about how he was, like, friends with some musician or something. But uh, he, he like, took my glasses off and did one of those... Not really, like, improv exercises, but, like... It kind of was an improv exercise. Where he's like, look, hey, look into my eyes, and I'm gonna ask you a question. And, like, say the first thing that comes to your mind. And he's like, who are you? And that was, like, chaos. Because at that point, that's who I thought I was. And, like... <laughs> He's like, What you didn't you didn't lie or you didn't blink or whatever. Like so like what why do you think you're chaos? And like so it was like a weird conversation where he was like, No man, you're a healer dude. You're so like just these people who test energies and stuff. Like, I'll get those weird interactions where if somebody's like psychically inclined or something, they'll they'll have like a weird conversation where they're kinda of like testing the waters on what I would say and what I wouldn't say or (laughs) like what I believe and stuff
0: they like to push you a little bit I just get the weird cat ladies like one lady (laughs) who's like you know in Orleans Parish which is our counties here you can have as many cats as you as you want Or no, in Orleans Parish there's a limit. They have a limit on how many cats
1: you can have. But she said, don't worry,
0: Jefferson Parish has no limit. <laughs> like, that's the kind of interactions I get. I get the cat ladies that are like, it's okay to have eight cats. Yeah, I
1: can't imagine what the <laughs> limit on cats would be. <laughs> like well, we've 10 to 20?
0: <laughs> yeah. <who> knows, Lord. <laughs> nobody's checking. Like, nobody's going, like, they're barely checking on code enforcement for habitability. They're not right. like, how many cats do you have, ma'am? <laughs> She also told me that if they if they were because she was worried about this, you could just let them outside for the day. Huh. She had it all ready to go, like the apocalypse was coming, and she was gonna have all the cats. <laughs> Look, they're the guardians of the underworld. The Egyptians were onto some yeah, shit, yeah. like that's for sure. You say what you want. I think my cats can see ghosts because they just stare into corners sometimes, and I know something's <laughs> there. But it's fine because they're on my side.
1: Hell yeah,
0: I feed them. <laughs> Keep them. Do you have any pets?
1: I do have a, a dog named Max. He's pretty cool. What kind of dog? I don't actually know. I think he's mixed. Um, black and white.
0: I don't know what the cats are. People are, what kind of cat is that? I little a black and white cat. Yeah. Oh, it must be a tabby. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> she yeah, doesn't If you know. say so. It doesn't affect their life. <laughs> For sure. Well, we uh, on the last Greetings from Queer Mountain, which is our queer storytelling show, you came on. And you had mentioned something about not totally being out to people. I didn't know that because the reason, the whole reason I would asked you to come the first time to Greetings from Queer Mountain was you had made a joke about being bisexual. And I was like, dude, I love this guy. And he's now said <laughs> on stage. He's bisexual. So, you know, I know he's, you know, going to be fine right. on a queer stage. And so I asked you and you said yes right away. So, um, you know, I thought that was interesting. So uh, do you want to talk more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. I, uh... I enjoy, like, the uh, the movements of gay people and, like, the the whole queer movement and, like, because I, I like the idea of individuality and just, like, I like the idea of, like, there being a surface thing and then also something under the surface or whatever because I'm all, like, spiritual and stuff. So, like, I like the idea of, like, it's not really duality or... It's just that things aren't as they seem. So, like, anything that points to things aren't what they seem is like a like great in my book it's like a helpful I guess would be the word
0: <laughs> you mean just because we have a heteronormative society is that what you're talking yeah, about
1: yeah like the idea that a man would be with a woman is like the what seems biologically and like visually normal or whatever So I like the idea that there's the adverse and, like, it opens the the options or whatever. It's like taking something that's, like, binary and making it, you know, quantum. So it's like I like that idea.
0: We're just not putting a definition on it at all. And not, like, saying, okay, this is a binary. We have this. And it's like, no, we actually have multiple ways of looking at things. And every one of them is okay. Yeah. But you're not out to folks or everybody, or is it just something that you don't
1: talk about? Cause you're it's it's quiet. something, yeah, it's something that I feel like the the magic path that I've been on, or not even magic path, but life path or whatever I'd call it. It it kind of like surpasses the idea of sexuality. So like to ascribe to a sexuality or to to ascribe to anything is kind of like limiting a little bit. But it's it's not, like, something that's horrible or whatever. So it's, like, for me, I feel like I'm on, like, the... I describe it as, like, everything's a spectrum. But I feel like I'm everything. So, like, any point of the spectrum, somebody could be like, oh, if you feel like this, then raise your hand. And I could raise my hand at that point. Because I know in, like, a certain situation, I could pinpoint a specific situation where I did feel like that. And for me, because I did feel like it, it means that it's still open to me as, like, a time traveler or whatever. So, like, being straight is still, like, something I could ascribe to if I wanted. Or being gay, completely gay, I could ascribe to that, you know, if I wanted to, like, personally. But it's easier to just go with bi. Like, that's easy to say to people. They kind of get it. And also, it's got a cool thing where by means, or it used to mean confused to people.
0: Oh,
1: did it? Yeah, like when people would say by, they would be like, oh, so you're confused. Mm. Which is like also up my alley because when I explain it, people would just say, oh, you're confused anyway. If you think you're everything, you're confused, which is awesome because like by also kind of equals that in like most people's eyes. So it's like...
0: Don't you think that takes away from being bi? Because if you're saying... If you identify as bi, I feel like that's something you define for yourself. Right. And then kind of saying, oh, well, that's a confusion is kind of almost like trying to knock it down a notch. And be like, well, yeah. you don't know. You're confused. <laughs> you know, like when you come out to some people and they say, oh, just give it time. Yeah. <laughs> you find the right girl. And it's like, maybe you won't, you know? Maybe I, I, you know, a few people ask me like, oh, have you tried dating men? Like that, you know like oh this is just this fate and it's like that you're downgrading my experience and my feelings yeah. but it's also i don't think people always do it to downgrade or to like feel better than or to like try to put me back in the box they want me and i think sometimes they do it out of their own confusion and trying to understand it
1: yeah i mean like my view is different than a lot of people's because i have gone through like a bunch of study and stuff of like certain topics so it's my view is a little bit different. My view is not going to be, like, a, a one-sided type of, like, insult or anything. Because <laughs> I identify as everything. So it's, like, I, I'm not going to, like, put somebody down. Because, like, I've, at a certain point, I understand that it's also me. Like, I'll just be putting myself down. Uh, I used like, the term by being confusion. Because, like, in my head, like, that's it's what America, like, made, you know, And made these words uh, relate to each other through like television, through people, word of mouth, you know, like just through all of those situations where like, oh, bi is confused. If you're bi, then that means you're just gay. You know, like it's there's all of these different things where it's like it all works to my advantage in my own head because I'm like, okay, if that means that, then that means that. But also the the first step is also true. So, like, all of these other steps that could possibly stem from it, I'll accept them as true also. But, like, when people who say things like bi people are confused are usually small-minded about it. Usually.
0: Yeah, but, I, I, like I said, I get their need to do that. I don't agree with it. Um, and I don't, I don't think I do that to them in return because I think it's very easy <laughs> to yeah. throw someone like that off. When you said magic, your magic path earlier, what did you... Where did that start, and is it still happening?
1: It is. It's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, It started maybe five or six years ago. I don't exactly remember what sparked the need to know knowledge. Oh, I know. I was concerned about the Illuminati. That's the best (laughs) because I was being a rapper at the time. I was in Lafayette. I was. I started to notice that, uh, like. Famous people would have, like, lines of mine and, like, my friends. So the would be... Uh, like like we, your lyrics? Yeah, like, we, we'd make a bunch of songs and we'd put them out on the internet. And then, like, we'd hear lines of ours and, like, Shit. famous people's stuff. And we are like, why why is this happening? Is this some type of weird thing? Then we are all, like, concerned about the Illuminati, you know, like... Especially black people. They have all this superstition on... If you're famous, you're selling your soul. And, like, I I was really concerned with that. I had, like, a dream or something that was weird. And it felt like being inducted into something. So I was like, let me study what this stuff is. Mm -hmm. I started with Wicca, which was a fun start. (laughs) Like, Wicca and uh, Sylvia Brown books. And it progressed from there into, like, the ancient studies and stuff like that. But uh, also in between there was like the study of black people, because I grew up not really identifying as black and like as being like, you know, like a black person or a proud black person. So I actually had to like take time and study what black culture was.
0: What do you mean by that? Like, how did you see yourself when you were a kid?
1: Um, Pretty much what other people called me, which is like an Oreo, although I didn't ascribe as white it was more of like i'm accepted by white people and like i don't yeah i guess not i, I don't know <laughs> race was like very weird for me for me i was like a non-conformist so like anything that was popular for black people was something that i'd usually stay away from and like anything that people thought black people wouldn't be into is something that i'd be like gravitated towards so i was into rock music as a kid and like rock music was pretty much it honestly <laughs> i didn't do like snowboarding or anything <laughs> well not in louisiana <laughs> I got scared of the illuminati so like i started researching what magic was honestly and like the parameters of magic and the parameters of spiritualism and psychicness and like early on my opinion was weird like i, I thought like psychic phenomenon was like kind of like bullshit a little bit like I felt like all the people who were talking about weird stuff that happens on earth like ghosts and stuff kind of didn't really know what they were talking about but like there was still something in the magic like in Wiccan that was it was like coming from some other source and it felt real like it had a grain of truth in it or something unlike the psychic stuff which the grain of truth seemed to be like it was just their imagination or something. Yeah. Like, everyone has an imagination, and that's true, you yeah. so know? Well, and
0: I think a lot of it, too, has... Like, we want to believe that our loved ones that aren't here anymore are okay on yeah. some other realm or other side somewhere. And we also want to know selfishly, it's always going to be a little selfish, like, when we go, that, that, that there's something more, you know? Yeah. And whether or not there is, I don't think we'll, you know... I don't know if we'll know, but I feel like people search for those answers in religion and also in other things. And I think psychics. You know, like I have an aunt who loves all the psychics. Goes to you know when they come to town, she's sitting in the audience. And oh, do you have a relative named M? And it's like that's my mom. And it's like everyone's mom is M. Like it's you know, but she's all about that stuff.
1: Yeah, stuff. Is, it is great and it's needed and it's uh, it's like. All of the things are, are like, cool, like, little layers and paths on, like, the path of truth. And, like, people have figured out what happens after death. And, like, that's a big thing where, like, I didn't believe in truth at one point. Or it was, like, pretty much during my time loop where I didn't believe that truth actually existed because everything seems to change or whatever. So, like... Like, there Every, couldn't be 100% yeah. of
0: truth because in the next moment we could remember it differently? Or
1: or the, the next moment, like, everything physical could be gone. So, like, would that still be true? So, it's like, just taking things to its maximum and, like, the minimal, I guess, would be a good word. Anyway, so taking things to, like, its biggest and smallest and seeing if it would still be true. Like, it was hard to find anything that would continuously be true. And, like, I stopped believing that that existed. And I thought everything was just person to person, you know, what they decided it to be. And, like, I finally found a person who's, like, documenting the backbone and the structure of the universe and the structure of thought and mind and soul and body and all of that. And, like, what happens after you die and, like, reincarnation. And he took every spiritual knowledge and stuff and like compiled it into one study or like one one idea of gnosis and like that learning that was pretty cool and like so it's afforded me uh, a way to not lie and then also uh tell people exactly like what i am experiencing instead of just not caring anymore cuz it's irrelevant so now things are relevant again that I found truth.
0: So you used to worry about sharing ideas with people like they wouldn't... Yeah. ...believe you, they wouldn't think it was the truth, or that they just would kind of not understand?
1: Yeah, that it would be, like, subjective. So in that world, the best I could do would be, like, look how much I'm getting on, you know? Like, look how good I'm doing. Don't you want to live this way? Or whatever. But, like, with truth, it could be, <laughs> like these are the facts and this is your potential instead of you know like a random potential out of nowhere like an actual set potential for humanity so like that's it's a it's easier to, to describe things I guess
0: <laughs> yeah what do you think about organized religion just as a general concept
1: it's uh, actually one of the structures that is holding humanity back as a like a as a being of like mind body soul like it's holding us into body and mind and disconnecting us from soul.
0: Why? Right. Why do you think that is? Because isn't most people's like purpose with finding religion is is yeah, that's tapping the into trap. that? <laughs> <laughs> You're like that's exactly what they tell people, and then they sign up for this shit and give their ties, and when they die, they give everything they own.
1: Yeah. so like the, the way to weaken a person is by dividing them and taking something away from who they think they are so the whole structure of religion and stuff is actually telling people that God is outside of them and like almost all of the religions have some type of weird thing where God is outside of you or, or something like that to where you're disconnected from it it's like unattainable
0: one of the thoughts I've been having recently about organized religion is I think it is um, because I feel like in 2018 there's a lot less people who are a lot less religious and I feel like we have a lot more crimes and bad things happening because I think for a lot of people fear of whether and it might be holding their souls back like that's actually very interesting but fear of this afterlife or even suicide like people who have shitty like what they think are shitty lives and they don't want to live on anymore If you had a religious, if you were Catholic and you believed it's a sin to commit suicide, you might not do it. Whereas, like, if you don't have that religious moral compass, (laughs) I don't know, because I think they do a lot of fucked up things. And I don't agree with a lot of organized religion, but I think there might be something there.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've gotten to this point of, like, I'd call it degradation because of religion. But, like, it also seems to be the solution it's it's weird, but, like, it's put itself in such a position that to take it away cold turkey is detrimental now. It's, it's got to be taken away, and also, like, the real knowledge has also got to be supplied at the same time. So, like, just telling people that that God is fake will, <laughs> will be a detriment to the world. <laughs> but telling them that it's real, but it corresponds to something inside of them instead, then that, like kind of like it doesn't leave the empty space like it's like you could still have your gods but they're inside of you you know it's like it just the the knowledge that all itself will start to decline crime and stuff because people will start to understand that like everything they experience is themselves so like why why hurt why harm or hurt yourself or like steal from yourself or charge yourself money or do like Like, all of these weird structures and stuff that we have will soon, like, start to fade and stuff, because...
0: Well, that would provide that compass of, like, hey, don't do this bad thing. Because for me, like, I was raised Jewish, but we're not... Like, Jewish, I feel like, a lot of times is more cultural than anything else. It's just, like, we were raised different than everyone around us, and we're made to feel that way, and so we have this, you know, connection to that. But I'm not religious. I've never really been religious but I just, I'm like, I'll just do good things and not be an asshole as much as possible. And, like, I don't murder people and I don't steal. And and that's just okay. But I feel like that's not always the case. And some people do need more of, like, that extra, like, you're going to pay <laughs> in this afterlife and this devil with the hellfire shit. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of just threatening people to be good people, which doesn't make them good people.
1: <laughs> nah. <laughs> Like, makes them like, a weird character of themselves. But it's it's still it's still in its works, but it's in its last legs. Like, um, the truth guy that I mentioned, his name is Seven Bomar. He's, like, he's written a book called The Code to the Matrix, which, like, describes entities that are behind, like, certain organizations and stuff. It's a little out there for normal people, but, like, it's, like, scientific information about, like, certain stuff. It's, like, if certain stuff that just corresponds, and then, like, it, it corresponds to certain stories, so it's, like, if you figure out that, like, so, like, the basic thing is, like, you know, maybe the Catholic Church or whatever is run by an entity that would be known as, you know, like... A, jesus or whatever so like jesus is also featured in a story where jesus is the bad guy so it's like taking all of the information and lining it up it's like so the church is actually run by this bad guy who's gotten a new face and is still doing the same thing of saying he's outside of you and like dividing people and saying there's a There's these people, and then there's these people, and we need to make these people into these people. Died for your sins, right? Yeah.
0: Isn't that the ultimate, like, (laughs) you owe this guy forever? The sins that you didn't even know you had? He died for them. Yeah. Then he was Jewish, so... (laughs) (laughs) Do you try to incorporate a lot of your, like, theories and uh, feelings and beliefs? I guess beliefs would be a better word, into your comedy? I do. And how how do you do that and how do you feel about that cuz that's uh, putting a big personal piece of yourself out there
1: i enjoy it uh, uh most of it is very like simple language and like it's it's great to like a lot of my stuff like i put something on facebook today that was like uh i think it like specifically was uh depending on where you are like these words will carry different meaning So, like, just that sentence, it's, like, a very simple sentence, Mm -hmm. but also, like, literally depending on where you are as a person, the other person listening, then the words will carry different meaning. So, like, just the sentence, means itself, and, like, you could continuously say it, and it'll start to mean different things each time, but, like, so, like, that's how my stand-up is a lot of the time, where it's, like, simple language, but I'm talking about concepts that may may be expanded, like, more expanded than I'm portraying them. So, what, <laughs> what is hilarious to me, like, why I like to listen to my stand-up and record when I listen to it, is, like, there's, there are the topics where, if I'm talking about a huge, expansive topic, people will laugh at it more than, like, if I'm talking about something dumb. And, I don't know if it's, it's like they catch on a little bit, or if, if it's just hilarious, I don't I don't know. But that idea like that they kinda get it a little bit maybe or something is like worth doing it.
0: That's pretty cool, yeah. When you put something out there and someone's like, Yes, this is something I've wanted to put into words but yeah. I haven't been able to do it. Yeah. I think you're the only comic I know who's made a good magician joke. <laughs> 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 I'll just say that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, For new comics, if you meet a new comic, I'm sure you meet a lot of new comics because I know they always like to talk to me. I don't know if I have the face of like, hey, come talk (laughs) to me about your new comedy. Um, What tips? Like, do you have any tips for newbies? Uh,
1: My biggest tip is just to keep doing comedy, Uh, just keep going to open mics. Uh, Which is, I'm actually not good at giving people advice, (laughs) especially like new comics. Like, I'll just do the generic keep writing and <laughs> keep doing do shows
0: that's one of the things i tell people because i'm like part of it is this struggle like part of it is yeah. you can't just go up once and you're done i mean if you look at any comic that's that you think oh they just made it and they just started they've been doing it at least five years ten years yeah. um you know they've been putting it out there there's some people that are like dave chappelle has been doing it over two decades maybe three decades chris rock's yeah. been doing it since what like 89 i mean like, they've been like putting there. in, like, real
1: work. Yeah. Like, doing a lot so of money. Like...
0: So if you just show up and think, like, you got this. <laughs> but so I, I always think that's good advice for people. And I always say, like, just stay true to who you are. You know, don't try to do what you think people want. Don't be like, most of this country voted for Trump, therefore we should talk about Trump. Like, most people don't want to talk about that. And if it's not yeah. interesting to you, you know, like, all your, your comedy is, like, things that are interesting to you. And
1: yeah, I can tell yeah. that. It's pretty much the only thing I feel comfortable talking about. <laughs> Everything else is like, why am I talking about this?
0: Well, it's the only thing for me I'm like, I can speak to, you know, like, uh, when Moxie was on here, she was asking about like people stealing your jokes and I'm like, well, if they stole my joke, then they like, it's weird because that's the story about me talking to my mom and like, they weren't there. And if they weren't, they still weren't the one that did it. So <laughs> like, that's not like, they can steal it all they want, but it won't make any sense. <laughs> Because mine are all very story centric and personal for that, for part of that reason, and part of it too is like that. I have to be myself on stage.
1: Yep, same here. Honestly, I'm recently getting into writing material about like writing a script. I've gotten into a weird phase where I'm doing like meta comedy, comedy about like doing comedy, and like uh, I've got a notebook that I'm like writing out jokes on. And I read them verbatim. So I've taken the concept of reading, uh, literally reading on stage and turning it into a script to where I'm going to write dialogue and then I'm going to write like things to do while on stage, like uh, maybe give myself directions would be the easiest way to put it. So I'll say like, look up or look at the audience and I'll stop and I'll look.
0: Yeah. Move the mic stand. Yeah.
1: (laughs) so I'll be saying things like that that I'll be reading and then like the whole thing will be like a a whole act out script and I don't know if I'll be able to write like three minute versions of those or like five minutes or if I'm just going to write something and then just do half of it Or, but that's it's pretty much the predicament I'm in now of like how to script out three minutes or if it should be in time or I don't know The notebook thing was like... uh, I wanted to start writing jokes again. And uh, I wrote down the first one. And I was like... Wouldn't it be funny if... Like... I'm writing... Like jokes about writing in the notebook. And then I was like... Wouldn't it be funny if I just read these... Like on stage. And I tried it and it just went well. So I just... I kept to it with like... I've written maybe... 15 minutes worth of material into this, like, notebook where I'm just flipping pages and reading and a lot of it is not funny but a lot of it's <laughs> a lot of it's, like, funny because I'm doing it
0: yeah, I've seen you do it a few times what I like is every time it's a little different because yeah. sometimes you flip to a different page and you're like alright, I'm doing this page, and I feel like <laughs> you've added some stuff since I first started seeing you do it but I think that's cool, like, you play around with the format of comedy, because I'm very, like old school where I just stick with, them like got to be set up punchline even if you have this story inside it set up punchline set up punchline but I like when people can successfully play around with the format and say I'm going to try Appreciate something it. different so I think that's really cool thank you well let let the folks know where they can find you Byron
1: I have a website called imnotjustme.com and I'm on Twitter as BlackRocker and Instagram is LordBlackRocker and that's, that's about it
0: Thank you, Byron, for sitting down with us and spending it's some time with us. of has been Thank a great episode. Us. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you. stand up. Coherent sense, but like, why? You know, I'm not trying to make sense, I'm just saying shit. You ever just say syllables? Sometimes I say syllables. You guys ever hear two dogs having makeup sex? No. It's rough, rough, rough. <laughs> Believe Sometimes I'll watch what I say on stage uh, because, like, I accidentally made myself immortal for two years. You know, I was just on stage just saying the joke, you know, just making the yuck-yucks, and then I was immortal for two years. And, like, that's hard, you know, being immortal. During that time, I realized not only that I was immortal, but that I was God. Like, you know how rough that is to figure out your God? You know how much shit God does? You know what I'm saying? You black people know about being God. You know about that shit. You know, like, God's there for so much shit, you know? Like, all those births, all those deaths, abortions. He's in there with that needle sucking out those babies. You know, that's God. Everywhere. It's a lot of pressure to figure out your God, man. You know, what do you do with that? I try to look for myself in movies and shit, you know? tried to identify myself in other things. In movies, I was always the villain, and that was fucked up, you know? They're always portraying the worst sides of me. You know, like, I watched Star Wars, and like I was a blue dude who was like, let's destroy the Earth! Let's, uh, you know, fucking deconstruct every molecule. Did I say Star Wars? I am an X-Men, but still the same character in both movies. Both movies, same character. Fucked up. I watched fucking Jurassic Park. I was the dinosaurs. You know what I'm saying? Always the fucking weird portrayal of God in the flesh. You know, and it's like, what do you do? What do you do as this? You figure out, you know, your, your God or whatever. Like, what's the next step? I thought maybe suicide, you know, because I'm not appreciating here. You know what I'm saying? Why not commit suicide? But how would God commit suicide? That's different, you know? I mean, God, I mean probably just becoming Jesus, that would be suicide. Which I've already done that stuff. Life is torture, you know what I'm saying? But like how would Jesus commit suicide? That's gotta be different, you know? And I think Jesus' suicide plan would probably probably be something like uh, marrying Mary Magdalene, having two kids, dying around this family, and being like, I knew the whole time, I was God the whole time. You know what they would've done if they found out? <laughs> Fuck it, yeah, I had a family, that's a story. Thank you guys for my research.
0: our guest byron broussard for sharing his world with you special thanks to jessa fallon and ryan for your help editing and producing the show thanks to all our friends and supporters you can catch greetings from queer mountain live in new orleans austin and new york city and coming soon to san francisco check out our facebook page for more information thank you